So technology is an enabler. AI is a new technology that would just enable very new use cases and will most definitely help supply chains to be run and managed better. I think another big trend that I see is that supply chains will turn more into a value add, maybe even revenue generation function. Welcome to the Future of Supply Chain podcast. My name is Nicole Smythe, and I'm a marketer, blogger, and podcaster in the supply chain space here at SAP. And today I'm joined by my wonderful co-host, Sin. Over to you, Sin. Thank you for the kind words, Nicole. My name is Sin too. And in today's show, we want to talk to Tobias Buxoid from Parcelab about why on-time delivery is more than critical to the success of businesses and what that means for the anti-supply chain, sustainability, and customers. So first of all, welcome Tobias, and thank you so much for joining us today. It's really great to have you on the series. So if you could take a moment to introduce yourself and give some insights into your role. Sure thing. So first of all, thanks for having me. I always enjoy talking about these topics. So who am I? I'm probably first and foremost a supply chain guy. I grew up in the freight forwarding company of my parents, third generation business. So I have been there from day one, more or less studied engineering and then spent around three years in supply chain consulting, predominantly optimization of distribution networks. But that was kind of my pre-Parcel Lab life because afterwards I founded the company called Parcel Lab. So it was around eight years ago where we built a product that helps shippers, brands, retailers to not just create transparency, but also probably more importantly, a good experience around their last mile. And yeah, we've grown to almost 200 people by now, serving brands like H&M, IKEA, both on a global scale and are very excited for the invitation that we can spend a bit of time talking about topics that are very close to our heart. Sure. Thank you so much for the introduction. So if we talk about e-commerce, according to Statista, for example, the B2C e-commerce will reach a volume of 89.4 billion euros in 2023 only in Germany, with clothing being the best-selling product group. And in the US, the e-commerce market is expected to exceed 1.1 trillion US dollars sales, according to Forbes, and these are incredible sums. So in addition to a variety of trends in the e-commerce sectors, Many companies are focusing on the holistic customer journey, meaning everything from store selection to after sales activities. So Tobias, can you elaborate what does this mean for the business? Yes, happy to. So I guess if you want to create a good customer experience, so if you want to make customers happy, really happy, ideally so happy that they do come back, you need to look at the end-to-end -end process. And that means every single touch point that this customer has with you as a brand or throughout the entire journey, which on the flip side means that every single touch point can also be a breakpoint to a good experience. And what we've seen in the last, let's say, decade or decades is that many businesses have mostly focused on all those touch points pre-sale. So everything that actually was a leading customers to make a purchase, so the customer acquisition phase, but not so much around the post-sale, the after-sale, the post-purchase, whatever you want to call it, part of the journey. And that part of the journey, which is not just about fulfilling an order, which means making it faster, cheaper, 
more reliable and all the topics that supply chain people usually worry about. It is now also about the experience around that order fulfillment process. And I think there is just now more and more awareness being generated in the market that this should be perfected and tailored to each and every customer because every customer is different. Yeah? No matter if B2C or B2B, there's always a, a human being on the other end. And those human beings, they have expectations, they have needs. And those needs can be around products, but it can also be around information or communication. To give you an example, just to put a bit of color around it, when we look into our data, we might have customers that want to know about where their order is and they check about the status around 50 times, right? So you can see that there's customers that are probably very maybe excited or worried where others might just not care. And so you have very different expectations around what experiences can and should look like. And there's just a huge potential for personalizing all of that. Maybe another example to make this a bit more vivid. So IKEA, one of our customers have started to putting assembly video instructions into the communication because when they're sending out the products, most of them at least have to be assembled, right? And I think we've all been through that. Sometimes it's not that easy. And so if you help your customers actually have a better product experience with things you're communicating and the way you're engaging with your customers in a very proactive and helpful way, this can really drive satisfaction and retention. Another example that I can mention is Chico's and other customers of ours in the US who started playing around with product recommendations that are being communicated while the product is still being delivered. It might sound crazy because you just bought a product. So why are you keen for the next one already? It actually works. So there is a huge potential, I feel, on this part of the customer journey, which used to be called supply chain, but actually it's so much more when you also look at the customer experience side of things and all the untapped potential that's still sitting there. Well, I feel very seen with the IKEA example that you gave there, because when I moved into my new place, I was so confused with trying to put together this desk or this table. So I very much appreciate them giving the videos. And I completely agree. I think it's really matching and fulfilling those customer expectations and requirements are so key to the full end-to-end -end experience, like you said. Yeah, you don't want to have any frustration there. It just hurts yeah. your brand. It just hurts your customer loyalty. And it's not a good thing. Absolutely. And I think one thing that you touched on too is, of course, their expectations on delivery as well. Mm -hmm. And kind of if they're sitting there waiting for it, checking day by day when it's coming. And of course, others not caring too much. Yeah. But I think it's now become the norm, as I say, the Amazon Prime effect, mm -hmm. having that fast and low cost delivery for many consumers now. Yeah. So in your opinion, what does this mean for companies that are looking to keep up with these newly set expectations? Yeah, I can only agree 100% that this is now considered almost the minimum requirement, right? With Amazon definitely setting the bar uh, on what is possible in delivery performance. I would go even one step further and state that on top of these delivery fulfillment requirements, there's also an ever-increasing requirement around convenience as well as like relevant and personalized experiences. And nobody wants to experience one size 
fits all or a unpersonalized relationship. So that's just not how customers think today anymore. If you do that, you're below the bar already. And it's again, not good for your customer retention activities. So I think when we look at the market for really many, many brands out there, that CX, the customer experience is really broken in many of those parts. And it does have a high impact on the customer satisfaction and retention. And maybe just to drop a few numbers here that we got from a recent study, it's about more than 48%. So that's like one out of two people saying that a poor shipping experience affects their relationship with a brand. So if you're not fulfilling that promise, if you're late or if something is happening, then your customer satisfaction is really taking a hit. And the likelihood that those customers then speak well about you or come back and buy another item are just diminishing. Another number that I found super interesting was that more than 23% of people are unwilling to reorder with a brand after a negative delivery experience, right? So here you have actual customer churn. It's like 23% are saying, well, if they screw it up, I'm not going to order again. So you're spending all that money on acquiring a customer and then they purchase an item and then they never come back because you did not fulfill their requirements or expectations. Mm -hmm. And the last one that I pulled up was that more than 17% of people will leave a bad review after a negative experience. So what that means, it's not just like you have that one unhappy customer, right? but it also hurts your future customer acquisition because your brand reputation is taking a hit. And so what does that, all of that mean for companies? So first and foremost, yes, you just have to have your ducks in a row and deliver on customer expectations. So if you're not able to deliver the products within whatever that expectation is, then you do have a problem. And on top of that, I personally feel people just deserve to be cared for, right? And then be informed around what's going on. I just think that we live in an information age where people are just craving for more information, right? And status quo of silence or when there is friction or there's confusion, it just doesn't really work for people anymore and they just deserve a better experience around that if you want to keep up with the market and if you don't want to lose against the likes of amazon and other brands that are excelling here mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. absolutely completely agree so based on what you just said and explained the last mile is actually crucial to a company's success but it is also the most expensive part of the supply chain mm -hmm. if you consider the whole view mm -hmm. So not only because companies cannot take advantage of the economies of scale, but also because many unsuccessful delivery attempts drive up the cost of the last mile delivery. So in your opinion, how could this problem actually be solved in fulfilling the customer expectations, but not driving up the cost mm -hmm. and then yeah. still getting the goods delivered in time? Yep. Let me just pick one and drill down on that expectation management piece because there is probably a lot of things that can be done, but I believe that you don't necessarily have to be the fastest when it comes to delivery, right? You don't always have to deliver the same day or the next day, because this is not necessarily an expectation that each and every customer has. So yes, of course, there are products, there are niches where this makes absolutely sense, but I would argue that for a large share of what you're buying, 
it doesn't matter whether it comes one day earlier or later. So you don't even have to hit your ETA, right? So your estimated time of arrival or your delivery promise each and every time, although I would highly recommend it. But when it really comes down to, and this is what we measure day to day also on the customer feedback, is that it is around ensuring you're meeting customer expectations. And this means that even though it might take one day longer, or even though maybe you promised a date and it still takes one day longer, right? If you deal with that challenge, with the problem proactively, because you can most likely see that in the data already, and you do not wait for a customer to find out and then very frustrated call you and really make a big fuss about it. This is what can be done very easily without the need to totally rework or change your supply chain. And the topic that I mentioned earlier on, if you do then not just be very proactive, but also the way you communicate, very specific for each and every customer, because you know who the customer is, you know what they like, you know what their preferences are. So making this a very personal experience and really demonstrating to them that you care about them. This has such a high potential. And so if you identify an issue, because maybe there was a disruption in your supply chain, which happens and will always happen. Yeah, there's no way this is going to be going away for hundred percent of every single shipment, but asking for forgiveness in hindsight, is just way harder than approaching people proactively even before they know something went wrong, ideally with a solution in hand already to show them, hey, I care about you and we got this figured out, so don't you worry about it. There's one super interesting figure that one of the customers that we work with, it's one of the UK biggest retailers, and I think they manage more than 100 brands in over 100 countries, and we help them build all their experiences around that. It's a very data-driven company, and what they've done is they've run a customer cohort analysis where they measured the retention of a cohort where something went wrong. So there was a delay in the delivery against a promised delivery date. They communicated proactively. So even before the customer knew about it, and they sent out a sorry email like, Hey, we're super sorry. We know we wanted to deliver on Thursday. I don't know for that and that reason, it's going to take one day longer. And by the way, since we're so sorry, here's a $10 coupon for your next purchase. That cohort has a 7% higher retention than that cohort where everything is fine, right? So you have the perfect journey, you deliver an item on time, no problems, nothing whatsoever. That customer cohort will have a lower retention than the one where something went wrong and you help the customer solve the problem, right? So you really demonstrate that, that they can trust you. And so this bad event actually turns out into something very positive because it creates trust and retention. So customer expectation management, I think is an absolutely must have for every company out there. And it's comparable, easy and cheap because you don't have to work on your physical supply chain, but it's more around a data and communication topic. I have a quick follow-up question on that the, with the cohort example that you just spoke on. So giving kind of when it has the delays, how can they balance the cost that they're giving back to the customer? You know, that 10%, 15%, do they work that into kind of like their revenue management mm -hmm. and kind of filter that back in through the supply chain? How does that work so that, you know, they're not giving too much of the revenue away while they're also still working on that customer experience? 
So I think there's three important metrics to talk about. First one is overall the customer satisfaction happiness that you create by this. So if you look at this from a customer value point of view, if you keep that customer, make the customer happy, they come back over the next five years, like there's value to that. The other one is the avoidance of the very likely inquiry that such a issue will cause, right? So those customers will call you up and ask, where's my stuff, right? That's the cost that you have that you can avoid when you do communicate proactively. What I did not mention is that that specific email that I just talked about is also the highest performing marketing email that they have. So the additional revenue that they're generating through that email, which is supposed to be a sorry email, but actually while you are motivating people to buy more stuff, has uh, the highest ROI of all emails, all marketing emails that the brand actually uses. So you're really bringing this revenue perspective or revenue generation perspective into a process, which is probably rather considered a cost center or well, very negative. Mm, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, the email that you just mentioned, I just yeah. did yesterday from an online store. Yeah. <laughs> Did you use the coupon? Um, not now. Uh, yeah, not now. <laughs> oh, I love getting them. When I get, I was, it draws me in. <laughs> it works. It's a weird thing, and they just present the emailing me. Okay, we cannot. We're working on your delivery, but it's not coming in time. So sorry for that. And for that reason, you're getting a coupon for the next shopping time. So it's good. It's not that much, but still it's encouraging me to maybe next time to buy something and to redeem this uh, coupon. And it helps you to understand what's yeah. happening, right? So probably not even their fault, but it puts them in a position where they can explain and relay this to you exactly. in a way where you're not very angry on the phone already because you've been waiting for three days and haven't heard anything. Exactly. But while we're already talking about being proactively talking or communicating with the customers, so we are living in a world where we are consuming a lot of different goods and also ordering a lot online. I just noticed this by myself. So I'm ordering a lot of things online instead of going to brick and mortar stores. So the more we order or buy online, the more we drive up deliveries as well as increasing returns from end customers, which cause around 80% of congestion in the city centers, higher fuel, as well as delays, mm -hmm. noise, and stress. So if we want to talk about sustainability, because this is now becoming increasingly important, not only for customers, like really taking care of where do they produce my goods? Where is it coming from originally? What kind of materials are in? So what does it also mean for companies regarding to the last mile delivery? How can this be made more sustainable? Yeah. Very good question. I think I have two answers for that. The first one is around consolidation. So start consolidating across shippers, across carriers. So actually that you get potentially multiple deliveries just at the same time through the same delivery guy, although it might be coming from very different places, although it might actually being shipped on different dates. But consolidating this towards the last mile that there's only one single trip needed to get you all the stuff that you want. Mm. So it's a very theoretical answer because in order to make this a reality, it will just need a very strong political will. This is nothing that the free market will ever enable because 
we're in a very competitive market with the carriers and all the companies out there, right? They will not join forces. This will very much likely remain a very competitive field until somebody says, well, no, within this street, there's only going to be one single delivery truck per day, right? And this is company A, right? And everybody else has to deliver to a hub and then they consolidate it and, and hand it over. Before that hasn't happened, I do see very little chance that this consolidation is actually going to be happening at scale and really making a big difference. So on the other hand, what else can you do today already, at least from our perspective, since we have two products for that, I guess communicating is just very, very helpful. We just ran a test last year mm -hmm. with DHL, where we found out that when you do these kind of like very proactive and personalized communications, you're actually increasing the likelihood of a successful first time delivery. And this is what's really hurting a lot of those companies as well. And therefore also is a big challenge for congestion is that if they have to show up, I don't know, more than one time to deliver something, or they have to reroute it and bring it somewhere else, this is just unnecessary. And the other thing is around returns. So if you're digitalizing your returns management, and you're starting to use flexible return rules, you can actually prevent a lot of returns from happening because either they don't make any sense or they will be too expensive, or you start doing some storytelling around the sustainability impact that returns have. So there's a lot of levers you can pull that would reduce the back and forth of like bringing every single package to every single person or picking up returns or whatever it might be today already that might help this problem in general. But as I said at the beginning, in order to make a significant change, I guess at some stage we will see consolidation efforts that will dramatically change the way the last mile is being executed. But what about the idea of setting up like small logistics mm -hmm. within the city centers and by doing this to reduce mm -hmm. the last miles, like the kilometers, the cost and C yeah. the CO footprint by using vacant yeah. department stores or vacant buildings. So what about these ideas to yeah. put everything like into the city yeah. center and then to deliver the goods from there or to offer the customers to bring back the goods to that place. So, I mean, those consolidation points, drop-off points, collect points, mm -hmm. I can't even tell you how many of those I've seen over the last couple of years. And every single one always ended up just being one point solution that did not scale or really solve the major problem. Because in the end, it was just bypassed by all the other means of last mile transportation that are faster and are being managed and owned by the big delivery companies, the carriers. So while these solutions make total sense, they only function in the greater scheme of things. And again, if you are in a competitive environment, it is very unlikely that all these companies that are involved in the last mile delivery will just partner up, find a way of compensating each other and it still makes sense while maximizing their own business and strategies that would, well, turn into one of those solutions, right? I just don't see this without strong political regulations that force them to do this in a certain way. 
So if you would say there is now one single collection mm -hmm. and drop off or a pickup point where everybody has to deliver into for a certain zip code, then this would work. If not, they probably just take that chair of the value chain and uh, yeah, mm -hmm. deliver it on their own. I think we might be having to live in a utopia for that to happen. And hopefully one day we might be able to. But, <laughs> but one topic that I'd love to dive into too, and you spoke a bit about it earlier, is of course the role that technology plays in the last mile delivery. So in your opinion, really, where does that fall? Where does technology fall in that full process? And of course, the bigger topic, what role will AI start to play in the future as well? Yes, so technology is an enabler. AI is a new technology that will just enable very new use cases and will most definitely help supply chains to be run and managed better. An example where we use it today is like we have machine learning algorithms that help us to better understand the supply chains of our customers and all the implications about what's happening. Because you cannot do that manually. It's just billions of shipments that are going through our system. And yeah, these technology pieces help us to better identify these patterns and predict the future, which means ETAs. And while machine learning is not AI yet, it's one step in the direction. So I would very much expect that AI will make this even smarter, even better. Uh, another example is that when I think about how we define the customer experiences today is that we sit together with our customers, right? So I don't know whether it's a Hugo Boss, right? So we sit together and we said, okay, like, what do we think is the best journey for your customers? And then we implement it, we execute on it. However, looking in the future, there's so much data available that I can only imagine a, an I can do so much better job at this. And we're actually already trialing a first AI feature, which works on sentiment analysis. So based on how you behave and what your sentiment is, you will actually get a different kind of experience or different communication. So coming back to the example I mentioned earlier with this people checking their orders 50 times, it probably makes sense for those people to send more than one email, right? <laughs> really keep them in the loop. Just based on the behavior, the sentiment you can get from the data in real time. And that's something where AI can be really powerful because it can do that at scale in a very personalized way. Is of course visibility and brands gaining more visibility into that products post-purchase. So how do you see companies and brands really being able to do that and bring that to life as well? Yeah, so we still live in a very siloed world and especially in supply chains where there are so many different parties involved. This does not all happen in your own ecosystem. And so what needs to happen is that you just have to tap into all those available data sources across the different processes, right? It starts with sourcing, you got fulfillment, warehousing, delivery, returns, repairs, whatever it is, there's so many different data sources and data models that are out there. And you have to tie those together to really understand what is happening for each customer. And then when you do that, you can do great things if you have that end-to-end -end visibility. But before that, it's quite a complexity to manage to get all of that into just one single system and also being able to use and drive action on the data. Yeah, right. Oh, this topic is super interesting. And actually I can 
talk further and further and for hours about this specific topic. <laughs> but Toby, as we are coming to the end of the podcast, and the title is The Future of Supply Chain, if you had to summarize in one or two sentences, what is the future of supply chain, in your opinion? That is a very big question. <laughs> And a tough one to put that into like just a few words. So I'm afraid there's just a gazillion answers to that. My conservative guess is that we will see more atomization and diversification. So the unit will just get smaller and will be delivered by just the right method for that use case. Yeah, so we were talking about, I don't know, the collection points as one path, but then there, I don't know, there will be drones. Yes, there will be rubber taxis. There will be 3D printers. So it's just going to be like less one size fits all and just more complexity in general. Uh, I'm not the one to tell. I think it's coming not overnight, but probably within the next 10 years or so. And this is where this interconnected technology is just going to be so necessary. We're very happy to be part of the SAP ecosystem yeah, for that future. So I guess that's one way to prep for this. But there's no way that supply chains are going to get more simple or easier and you will actually need less technology to run them. On the other hand, um, I think another big trend that I see is that supply chains will turn more into a value at maybe even revenue generation function, like I mentioned earlier. Yeah, So it's not the, the classic cost center anymore where you just have to fulfill an order and push a product from A to B, but it's also where you can create value. And we just recently launched a tool, which is a campaign manager to drive marketing campaigns across the delivery and returns communication. It's something where you usually would not expect revenue to be generated, but that is happening more and more and more. And we see more and more momentum on those kind of initiatives. So I'm personally just very excited about the future of supply chain. Agreed. <laughs> yes. Absolutely. <laughs> oh, that's great. Tobia, thank you so much for this great conversation. It was really cool. And thanks to everyone for listening. Please mark us as a favorite and you can get regular updates and information about future episodes. Until next time, from Tobias, Nicole and I, thank you for discussing the future of supply chain.